Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Fry, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Terry. Back to Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Fry. Eric Goodman will be back in tomorrow. I'm journalist and author Terry Fry. And sitting in for Eric today is Doug Ottawell, longtime editor-in-chief of Mile High Sports Magazine. You can watch us on milehighsports.com and reach us on the Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at tfrey, T-F-R-E-I, and at Doug, at D-Ottawell, at D-Ottawell, D-O-T-T-E-W-I-L-L. Time now for the lead. The Lead is presented by Smoke and Dave's Barbecue and Brew, Colorado's best barbecue since 2007. Get some tonight in Denver, Longmont, Lions, and Estes Park. Well, Doug, Jamal Murray worked out with the Nuggets at Summer League practice and apparently looked pretty good. And so it, it piqued a lot of interest. Everybody wants to watch him play was the quote used for uh, almost a universal reaction to, to uh, looking at what he was doing. How excited should we get? I mean, if he comes back and is close to full strength, where does that leave the Nuggets for 2022-23? Especially in the wakes, the wake of those trades they made, in in the signings they've made, the moves they've made, uh, and pending the recovery of the banged up Michael Porter, Michael MPJ, Michael Porter Jr. Yeah, I mean, I I think Jamal Murray is the reason you either are or aren't excited about the Nuggets. I mean, they've done some things here and there. And I don't think you can put too much faith in Michael Porter Jr. I mean, he he may be exactly the player that everybody feared when he wasn't drafted by everyone else. Yeah, he was worth a shot there. I don't think sure. there's, you, there's no way you can knock them for drafting him the no. way it's turned out. I think you, you, you can never knock him for drafting him. You might be able to knock him for signing him to a max contract. Oh, no, that's not a might. That, yeah. That's a definite. But Jamal Murray, to me, holds the holds the key because... You know, Batman needs a Robin, and, and that's that's Jam, that's Jamal to Nikola Jokic. I mean, he has to he has to be the guy that, or close to the guy that he was in the bubble for this team to be considered a contender. Um, you know, I think that they've every team can always get better on defense. I think that's always going to be a an off season, you know, endeavor for every team. But Jamal Murray gives them what every NBA championship team has and that's someone who can score big buckets in big moments and score on his own um as great as Nikola Jokic is um he's a guy that you know he's all part of a big picture with the team I mean just statistically analytically you know whatever he's unbelievable but Jamal Murray is that guy that is I'm not putting him in this category, but you hope that he eventually gets closer to this category. He he is he's your Steph, he's your uh, you know your Kobe, your Jordan, your like that. That's the kind of guy that you you need him to be. The guy that wants to score, has to score, is is willing to take the biggest shots, and that's the guy that he was in the bubble. And I hope two years from now we're not still saying guy he was in the bubble. Yeah. He's got to be that guy, or else the Nuggets, I don't think, have a shot. I don't think it's automatic that he goes back on the floor and is that guy. There's a, I don't either. There's a lot of discussion that's, that's based on the premise that all he has to do is get well, walk on the floor, and he's that guy. 
I'm not I'm not 100% certain of that. He's got to prove it to me. Yeah. And, and I don't even mean that harshly. No, no. I, I think that that's, the, that's sort of the rewritten history of Jamal Murray. Because he was so good in the bubble for that short stretch, people want to make him that all the time. Or they want to believe that he's graduated to being that guy. Aside from the injury setback, I think that, that Jamal Murray still has to prove he can be that guy consistently, whether he was ever hurt or not. Okay, there are additions in the past week. Contavious Caldwell-Pope, Ish Smith joining his 13th team. Yeah. Uh, DeAndre Jordan, who's uh, already got his AARP card. And Bruce Brown signed a two-year deal. They agreed to a two-year deal with the Nuggets. Those moves, you know, we saw the, the moves around the, even the division with Rudy Gobert in uh, the Jazz, uh, with Danny Ainge just was just fleecing Tim Conley. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, they where, got a lot what, of assets. So, what where does that in your mind does it leave the have the Nuggets just tread water in the conference, or they moved up and down? I think they treaded water. I uh, think they've moved up a little. Bit. A little bit. Okay. I mean, I could. Yeah. I don't. They didn't get worse. Um, I think they got worse when they let uh, Jeremy Grant go. Um, a couple of years ago. Yeah, they fouled that up by waiting too long to make him a bona fide offer. Yeah. So I, I, I think they got better. And I think that Jamal Murray coming back in whatever shape or form, they got better. Um, so I think that they're a little bit better. I don't I think, think I think that, Calvin Booth is, is really in, showing encouraging signs of being a, a dynamic leader and a guy who'll move things to get things done. Yeah, I hope so. I, I mean, and that's always been... That was always my critique of Connolly, and I don't know that I would call him loyal or too nice. It's or too loyal. Kind of a combination of that, maybe. But I always thought that they weren't... They loved what they had way more than anything that they might have tried to go get. And I don't know if that's a good way of yeah. saying it. But I think that the Nuggets had a, had a habit of overvaluing their own talent. And then on occasion, didn't value it enough. Like in the case of, of Grant, um, there were just a few guys in there that, you know, the good role players, guys that, that made a big impact that they kind of, you know, let go because of maybe a little bit of money or thought they could replace him too easily. But then, you know, you know, we talked about Michael Porter Jr. And, and jumping the gun. And I'm not saying that they, you know, he would have got. He was somebody who was going to pay him. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It didn't have to be the Nuggets. The Nuggets had more intel on him than anybody. So the he fact did it that, anyway. Yeah, that's kind of the that's kind of the issue. I think. I but, think that he was at his highest trade value ever after the playoffs the year before, and they could have got some pieces for him. Well, there's something we need to talk about that's being raised. That uh, I feel almost ridiculous for bringing it up again. I talked about it last week. I, I still wish this isn't going to happen, but we know the Nets are seeking an all-star player type and several, several first-round draft choices for Kevin Durant. And it's going to be virtually impossible for the Nuggets to work around the CBA aspects of the, tied to this deal to, to get Kevin Durant. But I'd move anything they have except number 15 for Kevin Durant. I mean, if, if that will if that move were to happen, I would be excited, and I don't like Kevin Durant. Uh, really? 
Why nah, don't you like him? I don't like. To me, Kevin Durant represents a lot of what's wrong with the NBA. You mean the movement, the movement to a championships this way. Yeah, situation? and and you know, basically, you know, what's wrong with trying to win? I don't understand why that knock. Well, like I don't mind trying to win either, but you know, he kind of forced his way into into Brooklyn and demanded that Kyrie. You know, there's just there's so many things that these guys want to control. So if you're an if you're an NBA player, you should want to go to the worst possible team to try to prove that you can lead them to a title. I maybe and but, the odds would be so stacked against you, you can't do it. I it just it, it's it's Durant, it's LeBron, it's I don't know. There's just there's, there's something that I really miss about the the and I know Michael Jordan had Scottie Pippen and Dennis Rodman. He didn't exactly have a a, a bare cupboard, but there was something different about those the way those teams were built, and I don't like the fact that you know Kyrie Irving is a is a free agent, and you know the first six headlines are Lakers want him, LeBron wants him, Lakers fans excited about Kyrie. Ir- I like I just I I hate that. What if some really 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 good hockey players want to come to the Avalanche to win? Well, you know it, I, I hate to speak out of both sides of my mouth, but that's what the Avalanche were. Under Pierre Lacroix, I mean, yeah. if they wanted someone, they'd go get him. And it's fun when you you're know, that it, team. It was the pre-cap era too. Though. Yeah, it's fun when you're the Yankees or the Dodgers of, <laughs> of your sport. But in the in the NBA, it feels like nobody wants to just go out and win, and and, and they're they're all friends, which is okay too. But there was a time where. You know, Magic and Michael had a huge rivalry, and they didn't like each other necessarily that much on the court. Or Larry and Magic didn't. They were Isaiah Thomas. Yeah, and I, I don't know if you've seen the the Magic documentary, but no, Magic got a lot of heat because he and Isaiah were friends, a lot of heat. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, there was something fun about that era when you know it's it's like when you're in high school. You don't like the other. You might like them just fine if you see them at the mall, but who, you don't. You want to beat them. Who was North Glen's big rival? When I was there, it was Thornton, Thornton or Horizon? Okay, powerhouses. I still hate Arvada West. Sorry, see? folks. And that's the thing is like the days of the Broncos Raiders rivalry yeah. is done. The days of of or pick Colorado Nebraska like it's those things are done because. Sports is too much about other stuff right now. Well, Doug, the Avalanche offseason has already started with a lot going on, as with the Nuggets, too. And it seems like the Avalanche offseason is going to last about, what, two and a half weeks, something like that. Yeah, short. That's the prize you get for going all the way. So we're going to be talking about that that after after this break, and that's next on Afternoon Drive. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Fry, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Terry. Welcome back to Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Fry. Eric Goodman will be back tomorrow after a short break. 
I'm journalist and author Terry Fry, and sitting in for Eric today is Doug Ottawa, longtime editor-in-chief of Mile High Sports Magazine. Doug has kind of learned over over the years. Uh, we talked earlier about the history of the magazine, and, and you actually learned that you need advertisements in a magazine. <laughs> Weird, huh? Yeah. What yeah. a concept. <laughs> you can watch us on milehighsports.com and reach us on the Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at T-Fry, T-F-R-E-I, and at D Ottawa, D. O T T E W I L L. You know, before we go further, before we uh, move on, the we were talking about the glamorous, the glamorous Big Twelve Conference. And you run down the list of teams in it now: Baylor, Iowa State, Kansas, Kansas State, Oklahoma State, TCU, Texas Tech, West Virginia, and of course Oklahoma and Texas are moving on. And coming in are Cincinnati, Central Florida. Houston and BYU. Now I've argued that the Big Twelve would be amenable to taking back Colorado under the right circumstances. They didn't burn the bridge there. Personnel have, have turned over, but that is not exactly a glamorous league. Yeah, it's like a Seinfeld episode of, or or a Jeopardy episode with Cliff Clavin, or you know, what are what are twelve <laughs> destinations I don't ever want to take my family. Uh, it's yeah, that's the funny thing of like. I'd rather stay in the Pac-10, Pac-20, exactly. slash 12, than do that. If for nothing else, the road trips. I mean, there's just, boy, there's, there's, there's no places in there. I mean. You're not going to Berkeley. Yeah, right. Well, of that group you just rattled off, BYU is probably the most, I don't know, that seems like the, the best destination. For Central Florida for, for Orlando. Yeah, yeah, a little Disney World trip. Never hurt anyone. Nope. Not time, glamorous, though. You're right. Time now for The Buzz. The Buzz is presented by Eric Cook at Farmers Insurance. The Cook Insurance Group, focused on people, not policies. Call today at 303-790-8089. That's 303-790-8089. Doug, do you think everybody's sobered up yet? Oh, no. From the Avalanche Parade, <laughs> whether within the Avalanche organization and roster or outside of it. Uh, I, I've i heard a couple of interviews here and there since, but only, only not that many. So I would say that there's still probably plenty of uh, celebrating going on. And I don't blame them. It's well, a yeah. long, long season. The off-season business is starting. The NHL draft is uh, Thursday. That's round one. And Friday, rounds two through seven in Montreal. The Avalanche won't have a pick until the third round at number 97 overall. Uh, the first round pick was traded to Arizona for Darcy Kemper, and the second rounder went to the Islanders along with another future for second rounder for Devon Tate. So those are pretty good deals. Yeah. So Colorado's picks in the draft are 97, 161, 193, and 225. Uh, the, way, the way hockey works under kind of a draft and watch system for the most part, unless you're the absolute elite prospects, it's a draft and watch process. So these guys, especially later in the draft, these are guys that will help down the road, if at all. Certainly closer to baseball than it is football. Yeah, and ba- there is kind of some weird circumstances where, like baseball, you can re-enter the draft. Right. Uh, if you were drafted and don't sign. So, yes, so we'll see how the Avalanche do in that draft. The six-game educate uh, exhibition schedule came out Tuesday. It opens September 25th, and the regular season schedule came out today, and it starts off with Chicago at home on October 12th. How many? Uh, do you think the lower 
the Avalanche Championship will lower the number of proportion of Blackhawks fans in the ball arena crowd on opening night? I would think so. Yeah, I would think that's going to be a tough ticket to get. Got to imagine the, the cup will be on display and, yeah, all the, all the things. You know, the, and the one that jumped out at me is, knowing the way the NHL works, this is the way they think. They have the Avalanche making a very early season trip to the, the Triumvirate in New York. They're at, on October 25th, they're at the Rangers in Madison Square Garden. On October 20th, then they have two days off in New York, which can be fun for the players, too. Uh, on October 28th, they're at New Jersey, out in Newark. And then on the 29th, they're at the Islanders, where the new arena is out by Belmont Racetrack. Right. So that's a pretty glamorous trip, actually. And I think it's the NHL. And I, they'll probably tell you it's just the way the schedule maker threw the darts, and this has been done for a while. And, and it sure, I'm sure it has. This is not something that they just came up with yesterday. But to me, that's an indication of an early an early season showcase for the defending champions for what turned out to be the defending champions in that three, in that three stop New York area trip. I mean, they, they gotta be a huge draw, especially early until proven. Otherwise the avalanche will be a huge draw and to send them to New York early in the season. I think that's just a great, that's just great marketing by the league to get, get people excited. I mean, your biggest markets get one of the biggest teams. I mean, it, always kind of seemed like that when the Cowboys were really good. Yeah. You know, they'd always get those big time games early in the season and people would be fired up about watching America's team. And yeah, I, I completely get that. I, that'd be a fun road trip to, to be on player, fan, writer, whatever. You're an opinion leader in the Colorado sports community and grew up here and all that. How did you become a hockey fan? Are you a hockey fan? You know, I've said this a lot lately because of how good the avalanche have been. Um, I mean, I went to, I went to the Colorado Rockies games when I was a kid, $14 tickets. I don't yeah. know how you could afford it. <laughs> I asked my dad, I guess. I, I went to, uh, the Grizzlies championship game. Um, but I would not say that I'm, a, a, a as good of a hockey fan as I am the other sports strictly because I just don't know the game as well. So you're not debating who should be on the second power play unit. No, no. And it's, that's one of those things that I'm, I'm okay with admitting it. I mean, I grew up, you know, playing baseball, basketball, watching a ton of football. So you inherently, you, you, you understand the nuances of those games. I would, I would say I understand the nuances of soccer, even probably a little bit better than hockey. I've covered the NHL for off and on over a span of 45 years. And I'm not embarrassed to admit that. And I, I've seen the progression of the market. It, it, there was much more hockey tradition here than people will let on and understand. But the hockey fan, the hockey first fan is very proprietary. It's very. my, it's my sport, damn it. And mm -hmm. if, you, if if it's not the first sport for you, I don't even want you in the building. I think that's changing now quite a bit with the, it, not just because of the championship, but the passage of time and kind of the admission that you can, you can be a general sports fan and not be not being quizzed on what years Gretzky won the scoring title and still be a good fan. Well, and I think if you want your game to grow, if you want uh, you know, stars in your sport or if you want the kind of excitement that we saw with that comes along with a cup run, it, it has to be more than a than a Tuesday bridge club, you know? Yeah. And, and that's you know, I'm not knocking the original hockey fan. There's plenty of original baseball fans and original 
NFL fans, and that's fine. But I do think that there's, especially in this market, there has to be, I'm probably a little bit this way when it comes to Colorado natives. Uh You know, if you don't, in my mind, if you weren't around and, and you don't know what 77 means to the Broncos, or if you don't, you know, remember that the Colorado Rockies weren't a baseball team first, I'm, I'm a little bit of a snob when it comes to that stuff. But I also have to remember that this is a big-time sports market, and a lot of the reason that it is is because it's become a big-time population. And that doesn't happen because a small group of people just decide to have 18 kids at a time in the state. I mean, it's <laughs> it's a great place to live. So you got to let people in and let them enjoy the same things that you enjoy, whether they have the history with those teams as you or not. Well, you know? as the Avalanche uh, progressed to the championship and they have been an elite team for many years, I think we've, we've experienced kind of the, the hockey boom and arena construction and participation with uh, young people playing the game. Oh, y- huge. Young men and young gir- boys and girls. And so the explosion there, now we're seeing fans actually grow up with the game here. Right. I mean, and I kind of tie a lot of my own relationship to sports in Colorado with, with the the timeline of the magazine, which is roughly 20 years. Yeah. But we saw in this 20 years the biggest explosion of hockey and lacrosse in this state mm-hmm. ever. And they're completely tied to the avalanche and the mammoth. It's just... John Grant Jr., Gary Gate. Yeah. And it, and it's... You give a kid something to watch and to latch on to, and, and they will eventually appreciate it, play it, watch it, love it, become fans of the sport. I mean, I always, I always kid, I, I remember the Avalanche aren't the first Avalanche in this no. market. The mm-hmm. Denver Avalanche were... With an exclamation point. Yeah, and I love that team. They were an indoor soccer team. Yeah, MISL. And I think the MISL still has a league, you know, probably some different teams and whatnot. But I thought the Denver Avalanche was the coolest team ever. (laughs) And one of the reasons I played soccer when I was little. And so it it all goes back to, and the Avalanche have been not just a really good team on the ice, but I think from a community standpoint, they've done a ton to facilitate our interest in the game um, at the youth level. And obviously the cross teams have too. And I don't mean to get on a soapbox, but those teams have been, you know, really, really good when it comes to building up their sport. I think the other thing now is the issue of whether this team can repeat. And you see the long list of unrestricted free agents. They signed Andrew Cogliano yesterday, kind of the first salvo in attempting to keep the team together. I think we all understand they can't keep everybody. Well, look at this list, and this is, a, you know, you you prepared this before the show. Burkowski, Kemper, Kadri, Manson, Nachushkin, Helm, Johnson, Stern, Murray, and then Lekkinen and Ube Kubel as your restricted free. I mean, every one of those guys played a significant role. You look at that list, and it's it's not a bunch of guys that, you know, were were journeymen or, I mean, who's your who's your most important guy on the list? I mean, Kadri. Yeah, I think, or Kemper, depending on what no, your other I think options you, are. I think you let Kemper take a walk because you've proven you can win with mediocre goaltending here, and whether that's Pavel Francouz or somebody else, you don't have to pay what Darcy Kemper is going to get. Is that is that the, the Terry Fry opinion, or do you yes, think that's, that's my the opinion. Joe Sackick opinion, I, too? I, I think Joe Sackick will weigh 
it all against the backdrop of we can't keep everybody and it, it that's got to be that, that's what they did with Grubauer essentially right. just let him walk because he wanted a long-term deal it wasn't just money i think something similar will happen with Kemper i could be wrong you never know. I put Nachushkin up there pretty high on that list. Because oh, well, you know, he had a terrific year. He was great in the playoffs, but he hasn't proven. You know, he was he was awful in the NFL for a long NFL. NHL, he would be awful in the NFL. He'd have to learn the rules. In the NHL, he was awful for a long time. Am I mistaken in this? But I had heard that, that he had a, went a, an entire season split. without a goal. Oh, yes. That's correct. How is that even possible? I don't know. The guy was dynamic in the playoffs. It should bounce off somebody and go in. For at least exactly. I mean, uh, I can't skate, so I won't make the kind of statement of like, I could play a whole season and score at least one goal. I, no, <laughs> I, I could pro- not. I think you probably could. <laughs> could you skate backwards? I can't You can't skate, skate period. Standing. Oh. <laughs> well, coming, back, coming up after the break, we're going to talk about the unfortunate, sad news about Demarius Thomas' uh, post-mortem diagnosis of having CTE. And we're going to frame it within a bigger context of kind of football's future and kind of football's role in society now. That's coming up next on the Afternoon Drive. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Fry, presented by Silterhar Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silterhar Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Terry. Welcome back to Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Fry. Eric will be back tomorrow, and I'm journalist and author Terry Fry sitting in uh, and sitting in for Eric today is Doug Audible, longtime editor-in-chief of Mile High Sports Magazine. We're on uh, milehighsports.com if you want to watch us, or you can reach us on the Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed, at tfry and at Audible. You can check out terryfry.com for information about my books and work, and you can see more about Doug and the magazine at, you go to the hamburger and click on something, right? <laughs> yep, go to milehighsports.com. Click around there a little bit in the upper left, and you'll find you'll find the magazine. It's it's pretty easy. Even even Danny can find it. He said, "Danny, you can." I have found it Thanks. in the past, so I believe I can He's recreate Norwegian. that. <laughs> you put cheese on that hamburger? Yeah. Okay. Mustard? <laughs> Whatever you want. Oh, okay. <laughs> Time now for what's trending. What's trending is brought to you by Pinnacle Builders, the best in home remodeling. Go to PinnacleDen.com. We received the unfortunate news this week that Broncos wide, former, that the late Broncos wide receiver, Demarius Thomas, had CTE. You know, it has to be t- detected after death when the family donates a, a brain to the Boston University Project or the other projects looking into this. So it's very obvious that the results we've gotten, the list now is very piecemeal, that, that it was much more prominent in the past and it's going to be much more prominent as we move forward in his family's attempt to see what see what's the story with their loved ones after they pass away but i I was looking at the list of just confirmed nfl players to have cte with the post-mortem examinations i mean i just you run down the list of junior seau rob lytle 
Aaron Hernandez, Dwight Clark, Shane Renette, and just go on and on and on. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of guys close to the line played them. And, you know, anybody that's seen the movie Concussion, um, you, you kind of get that feeling that, the, that it's the constant pounding. So when a guy like Demarius Thomas has, it kind of almost makes it a little more scary because... Yeah guy that played on the outside and could could rarely be hit clean because he was so fast and nimble and and, and strong but um yeah I, I don't think that anybody's you know escaping that necessarily well there was the billion dollar concussion settlement that's that that has been of a very prom very prominent discussion over the past few years and so it, the knowledge of the situation is becoming much more voluminous yeah but I'm still shocked about the attitude of many players who are almost in denial. I mean, the current players. You can tell, you see alumni on the sideline having a hard time walking in, and you understand that they're having problems in other ways, cognitive cognitive ways. And the players today, I think, maybe we would all do the same thing in that position, be in a position of denial. Yeah, because I, I think if you if you're talking about any pro sports the money is so high the the you know your your place in society right or wrong is so prominent that it's got to be like a drug to be in that position to to be one of the chosen one of the elite to get to play a pro sport at that level so i, I think most people if they were put in the position of being a, an nfl player or an nba or or nhl you pick the game Mm-hmm. would would probably choose it and choose to deny some of the science or some of the the risks that come along with it. And and I I would put myself in the same boat. If I could and and obviously I was never even close to this level, but if I could play a sport and get paid the kind of money they get paid even if I didn't have as long of a lifespan, I probably would pick that. You know who the smart guys are? The smart guys are the ones who kind of understand all that still like playing football, want to play football, want to make money, but to keep their career as short as possible. Right. Yeah, and, you, and you've seen I more guys I think there guys are guys out there doing that. Yeah, guys that have, that have uh, cut they're, their career shorter than they They're the ones not in denial. Right, right. Uh, who was the guy, and, and this is a terrible thing to do on live radio, but there was a, a guy that essentially said, no, nah, I'm done after his first year just because of this. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty prominent draft pick. And I think you're seeing a lot more of that. I think where you, where you see a bigger impact is probably at the lower levels. Yeah, that, I was going to bring that up. Now, make no mistake, CTE did not kill Demarius Thomas. He was having right. seizure issues after the automobile accident. This is a this is one of the problems that he was having. Clearly, with were brain were were damaged CTE because of the repeated blows to the head. Right. But I think it, you you spin it off and talk about the future of football at the youth and the high school team level from our perspective. I mean, I went to South Eugene, which is basically is it abuts the university of Oregon campus. A lot of faculty kids went there. You know, you know how South Eugene football team did this year, last season. I don't know. They did not have a football team. They could really? not get enough, could not get enough players out to field a varsity football team in, in, in Eugene. Or- that's Eugene, Oregon. That's wild. And you know, that's a, that's a, tr- track country uh yeah still the, just sports are huge there yeah and soccer's big there yeah and i think i think that's the other thing i i think it's healthy that it that 
young men now are not forced to play football by peer pressure, parental pressure. If now we have the kids playing football who really want to play football, it's their choice. I'm all for that. Yeah. As long as you understand the risk and your parents aren't pushing you into it and uh, uh, you're on the lookout for possible issues. Oh, but, and I, I think I, I do know, I do know parents that are, you know, that have younger kids that have said, my, I'm just not going to let my kid play football. And that's, I think that's a, a prominent viewpoint now today too, because if you never let your kid get involved, they're certainly never going to get good enough to put themselves in that position. You can argue the, the merits of whether that's right or wrong, but I definitely know parents that have taken that stance. How about the numbers in Colorado? Do you know them? I mean, just in, just in general. I believe they're down. I believe they're down and, and at the high school level. Um, I know that in um, New Mexico, I, I want to say that they were significantly down. Um, that was maybe two years ago, a uh, uh, report that came out. Um, I think that you're, you know... Your big schools, your Cherry Creeks, your Valor, it, it's never going to go away. Um, but I do think that it's its definitely something that kids are playing at a later age. So I don't think that there's the, the that's need. A, that's a good thing. Yeah. There, the, uh, there's, a, there's a big push for flag football. Even kids that are well into junior high now are still playing a lot more flag football than they used to ever before. So they're learning the game. They're learning offenses. They're going to these you know, seven on seven mm -hmm. flag, pa basically passing tournaments. And they're not having those hits until they get to the high school level. That's a good thing. Yeah. This so there's a lot of, there's a lot of things that have come out of this that are good. I think the dangers are still there. I don't think you're ever going to eliminate that at the highest level. I think what we're going to see, and this doesn't necessarily involve the perils of playing the sport. I think what we're going to see is a kind of a push, kind of a push for combining high school teams, you know, like, we see it in other sports like hockey, for example, right, where multiple schools form, get, uh, combine to form one team, and I think that's going to happen in football. You see it at the smaller classifications, you know, out on the Eastern Plains or even in Western Slope. There's a lot of those teams that they they don't have enough kids to make eight man football teams, um, and I, that has a lot to do with the population too. But it also has to do with the fact that, you know, hey. Football isn't the only thing anymore, no, which it, it used to be. I did the book uh, Horns, Hogs, and Nixon coming, and one of the figures in the book was Greg Platts, a strapping 195-pound defensive tackle for the Texas Longhorns. Strapping. Yes. And it, it turned out that he, when I interviewed him for the book, he was from Colorado Springs. He had grown up in Colorado Springs. His dad was in the Air Force, and he ended up going to Texas to go to high school. But Greg... Uh, uh, was an art teacher. He was the University of Texas top art student one year while playing football as a Longhorn. And eventually, after I interview, interviewed for him for the book, he started having cognitive problems. His wife was telling me about it. And it turned out that he had dementia, ended up passing away about f five years ago. His wife sued the NCAA. And if that case had not been settled, uh, I think it would have had a chilling effect on college football moving forward. Yeah, you know, she settled the case, and that stayed pretty much under the radar. But I've, I've, I've stayed in touch with her, and those, those, and her point was, I don't want my grandchildren playing football. Yeah. He was up here. He came up here to use marijuana in his uh, 
because it, it eased his comfort level with, with all the problems he was having, the dementia and everything. And so, and so Deb, his wife, would drive by kids playing football, and she said, I wanted to get out and tell them, don't let your kids play football. Yeah. You know, that's out there now, too. It is. I think the one thing that, that that's really come of this and that's, that's a, very much a positive is back in those days, 60s, 70s, even the 90s, the mentality of every high school football coach was rub some dirt on it. Get it. it was you got your bell rung. Yeah, you got your bell rung. That was a very common thing. It didn't mean that you were hurt. It just meant that you you got your bell rung. But the other the other part of that, I, I've heard it from that perspective. But the other part of it is, as a player, you thought that way too. Sure, you thought I got to get back out there. Yep. You talk to players from that era, whether it was high school. Uh, you know, and I don't want to limit this to only quote good players. I mean, that that that's almost irrelevant. Uh, you look back at the, at the football of those times; it really was. You got your bell rung, go back in there. And yeah. when my father played in the '40s, uh, he played two years at Wisconsin and then went off to war. Came back, played two more years. Uh, he had there there were stories in the Madison paper about him going in and out of the lineup. Is he going to be able to play this week? With a quote sinus infection, and and years later I talked to my father about it. And of course, he had repeated, repeated concussions. Sure, they called it sinus infections. Then. Probably because it hurt in your yeah. sinuses. Yeah, we we <laughs> swept it under the rug. Yeah, uh, it, you know it's 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 scary, but I think that if you're going to play, I like the fact that coaches and officials are kind of on heightened yeah, alert. Uh, officials, in especially in, in in high school officials can essentially send a kid off the field, yeah, which is a very good thing because a coach who has an incentive to win at that exact moment may have clouded vision at times when it comes to, wow, that kid just took a big shot to the head. I like the fact that the official can say, hey, you sit this one out. And, and you know, whether it's foolproof uh, or, you know, is properly administered 100% of the time, no, I'm sure it isn't, but... Can it help? Absolutely. Well, thoughts to the family of Demarius Thomas and a salute to his, uh, to, to what he was and the man he was. And Great guy. Terrific guy. So, Danny, what do we have coming up on Argonaut Wine and Liquor, just in case you missed it? Well, you guys talked about some of the uh, additions to the Denver Nuggets in the free agency period and trading of this offseason. We'll take a look at some of the top free agents still available and some former Nuggets on that list. And what might be next for them? That's coming up next right here on Afternoon Drive with Fry and Audible on Mile High Sports. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Fry, presented by Silterhar Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silterhar Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Terry. Welcome back to Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Fry. Eric Goodman will be back tomorrow, and I'm thankful for Doug Audible, longtime editor-in-chief of Mile High Sports Magazine, for sitting in. I'm Terry Fry. You can watch us on milehighsports.com for the last few minutes, at least. And, uh, it's worth it. Yeah. And reach us on the Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed, at TFry and at DAudible. So, yeah, thanks for sitting in, Doug. I really oh, appreciate it. Oh, it's been it. fun. Good time. It's like we're sitting around, uh, I don't know, standing around a wiffle ball backstop <laughs> and shooting the breeze. Exactly. We've been here before. 
Time now for the final word. The final word. Presented by Sasquatch Casino in Blackhawk. Just in case you missed it, is presented by Argonaut Wine and Liquor. You need to see why Westward named it the best liquor store in Denver. Five years running. Or order online at ArgonautLiquor.com. Just in case you missed it, NBA free agency continues. Of course, the biggest question in the NBA right now is where does Kevin Durant end up? But there are still some pretty top-tier free agents out there floating around without a home. Uh, In SB Nation's rankings of the top 13, we've got James Harden, number one, DeAndre Ayton, number two, Colin Sexton, number three, and three former Nuggets made that top 13 list at number six, Carmelo Anthony. Number 11, Austin Rivers. And number 13, Juancho Hernan Gomez, a.k.a. Bo Cruz. Uh, So my first question is, do you agree with that top three? You think Harden, Ayton, and Sexton are the top three guys still left in that free agent market? Harden's the best player, but the problem with him is you'd have to watch him play. (laughs) Harden is in in that weird category of can't quite put a finger on why he doesn't win, but he doesn't win. I would actually make the argument that Aiton could could be or should be the most valuable yeah. free agent on the list. I mean, that is a good player. Really, really good defensive player. Where do you put Carmelo now? Oh, Carmelo's past his prime. I, I, he, he could fill a role for a team that needs 12 minutes a game, a guy that can come in and knock down shots, but if you're banking on Carmelo, you're you're, I think you're you're barking up the wrong. Danny, what do you think of Carmelo? Uh, I love Carmelo. He was one of my Me first, too. one of the first guys that I was a real big fan of as far as NBA players goes. I'm always going to be a Carmelo Anthony fan. I will never boo him at Ball Arena, but um, yeah, I think Doug hit it on the head. He's just a role player now, and hopefully he finds a home somewhere else. But he has been out of the league before for a year where he was not doing anything in the NBA and he made his way back but I think uh, this time might be different he might end up calling it a career at some point in this offseason and we'll see he's still I think the most decorated U.S. Olympic men's basketball player of all time so that's something at least he can hang his hat on and he'll have one thing LeBron will never have a national championship my interaction with Carmelo is very limited but I re- he seems like a re- I agree with the perception that he's a very good guy I always liked him. I mean, I, I think that, you know, he was a star when he got to the NBA. So, like, anybody that thought otherwise was probably maybe a little bit. Who else got drafted that year? I forgot. <laughs> LeBron. Darko? <laughs> Darko was number two. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the only reason that I, I hope Carmelo plays, because at least we, for at least a year, we could put off the debate over whether his number should be retired. It's tough now because of the other number 15 who's absolutely will be retired. I mean, the Nuggets have never had a league MVP. So a two time one is going up in the rafters before he's even done. I do think that Denver's perception and the Nuggets treatment of Carmelo is, I don't like it. I'm with Danny. Yeah. I'm never going to boo that guy. He put the Nuggets back on the map. He made us relevant for a good 10 year stretch. I mean, I don't understand where the where the anger is. Well, there was the perception that he wanted out. 
and that uh, Lala's involvement with trying to go to The View and all of that complicated the issue. Yeah, I, I could also make the argument that they they kind of stopped surrounding him with guys too. And I wouldn't blame him necessarily if he wanted out after they... I, I mean, a lot of that was his own fault. He, he could he could have elevated the team himself too, but what are you going to do? I, I just think years from now, people will look back and go, man, that was a great era, and that's why it was a great era. Well, that was Argonaut Wine and Liquor, just in case you missed it. That's going to do it for us. Thanks again, Doug, for sitting in. You bet. My pleasure. Uh, presumably newly tanned Eric Goodman will be back in the driver's seat <laughs> with me tomorrow. And thanks to you, Danny, for a great job on the other side of the glass. And thanks to Andrew for your terrific work, too. We'll talk to you tomorrow. <laughs>